What more can one say? This is game seven. Hello, everybody. Once again, welcome back to the Little Hockey Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Keegan, here with my brother, Jordan. Say hi, Jordan. Hey, friends. Uh, And as always, we're here to review the Sens and Leafs of the past week. Uh, But before we get into that, as always, please remember to subscribe and follow us. uh, Follow the podcast on anywhere you get podcasts, like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever. Uh, Be sure to follow the podcast on Twitter, at Little Hockey Pod. And with all that out of the way, let's get right into the... Leafs and Sens news. Uh, Jordan, we'll start with you as always for a quick betting update. How have you been doing this past week since we last talked? Holy shit, man. This has been one heater that I've been riding for the last, like since uh, February 1st, basically. Um, oh, I've been doing I, actually, well, eh? oh, like it's crazy. Um, I won 13 straight bets. I, I'm up almost $50 on where I started at the beginning of the season, like, Holy which crap. is crazy because I, I like considering i started off with 75 bucks i've almost doubled it and we're not even like we're not even 20 games into the season here um so needless to say i'm feeling awesome uh and you know what it's probably all going to come crashing down around me in the next few days and weeks um but uh you know i just got to be a little bit more conservative with what i'm doing because i think uh, a big big reason why i got so uh so uh, <clears throat> such a big return over the last few weeks or last few days anyways, has been that uh, I, I've just been putting too much money into single games and, you know, it's just happened to gone right, uh, gone right for me this time. And it's not going to in the future. So got to kind of uh, scale it back a bit while I'm so far ahead. Um, but you know what? It, it's nice. Cause I I've made way more money betting on hockey than I did in the stock market. Cause uh <laughs> I just sell off. Yeah, I just sell off my AMC stock for a sixty dollar loss there, plus the ten dollar trading fees. So I was down eighty bucks. So I, I, I've almost made that back from uh, from betting on hockey. It's nice. Yeah, that's got to be a nice feeling, especially with the big return so early into your betting career. Oh how yeah. How much like, of that has been? I was going to say how much of that has been made off of uh, betting against the Ottawa Senators. Oh, a good chunk of it. Like yeah. my, my, oh yeah, my winning streak got, got started off with, uh, I think the first game against the Oilers, I had like 15 bucks riding on that game alone. So that, that was a big reason why that three game series, uh, last week against the Oilers that probably got me close to 20 bucks on its own. Yeah. Ottawa having some really good games, but unfortunately losing all of them to Edmonton. So that but- was a. I, I, I will say I bet on the senators to win that first game against Montreal and they, they, and that paid off that paid off too. So that was a, that was a big win in something that, you know, it wasn't really a, uh, an expectation or it, you know, it reasonably shouldn't have been, but I, I, I had a good feeling that Ottawa would bring their a game against Montreal 
And I, I think after the game, I saw Andrew Berkshire on Twitter say like um, that, if, you know, it, it's funny that Ottawa's only two, like two wins this season have come against the two best teams in the uh, North division, the Montreal Canadiens and the Toronto Maple Leafs. And I was like, Hey, the senators are only going to win games against the Habs and Leafs this year. Just book it. Um, <laughs> but I, and I'm, I'm like, 90% serious about this. A few weeks ago, I was joking, but now I'm totally like, yes, no, Ottawa is only going to win games against the Leafs and Habs because those are the only games that their players can get psyched up for. Every Everybody else, they're like, oh, like these are all the Western Conference teams. There, there's not enough of a rivalry built up against any of them, and they're just going to get rolled over by all of them. Um, maybe the Senators can eke out a win or two against the, uh, you know, the pile of turds that is the Vancouver Canucks but uh, I think the majority of the Senators points this year are going to come against those top two teams it'll be interesting to see kind of what develops between the Sens and the Oilers because the last uh, the last game especially got pretty heated uh, or the second last game sorry with uh, Watson and Jujak Kara going at it and then Good Branson and Cassian having a very heated fight immediately after that actually led to Cassian missing uh, the latest game and I think he missed a little bit of time with an upper body injury, but not too much. But those guys, those two teams are definitely seem like they're going to start hating each other. And pretty quickly, Cassian already has a pretty good rivalry with Brady Kachuk's brother, Matthew over in Calgary. So it'd be interesting to see if that kind of bleeds into the Ottawa versus Edmonton rivalry for the rest of the year. You know what? I'm kind of surprised that we haven't seen more of that uh, animosity and, um, and hate build up in the North division yet this so far this season, or like even league wide, it's kind of surprising that it hasn't happened yet. Um, There's a lot it, of despair more than hate. I, I guess in, in, in the North division, like if you're not Toronto and Montreal, your, your season has basically been revolving around, Oh my God, we're garbage. Like all of the other teams have just been so concerned that they're terrible, that they haven't been like, they're so busy hating themselves that they can't hate anybody else. Yeah. Like Edmonton is fourth in the division right now and they're below 500. Yeah. I I think the the North division may be the only division that is going to send a sub 500 team to the playoffs. Which are you that surprised about? I'm not, to be completely honest. If you told me that before the season started, I probably would have been, but I don't think I was taking into consideration just like, it's probably the weakest division in the league, right? Well, our lows are low. Like Ottawa is a bottom three team in the league. And it sure looks like Vancouver is too. Exactly. Although people knew that or kind of expected rather that Vancouver would be taking a step back, but this sure, isn't but not, a step back. Like, this is a yeah. step off a cliff. Yeah. And which is what we said about Ottawa after that uh, 10 game losing streak or whatever they had. Nine. It was nine, nine. games. Sorry. How dare I? <laughs> <laughs> um, but Edmonton hasn't looked. I mean, Edmonton's look like Edmonton. You always expect more out of them than you get. Um, and Calgary is kind of in a similar boat where they've been doing well. Markstrom was a very good pickup. He's been doing well for them, but they just, they seem like a slightly above average team and they don't seem like they can get anywhere higher than that. Like the Leafs and the Leafs and the Habs look like, yeah. Oh yeah. Like the Leafs and the Habs look like contenders. Calgary looks like a team that will make the playoffs. 
You know, you know the difference. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, Calgary and Winnipeg are kind of in that same boat, but I think for a little bit different reasons. I think Winnipeg may have a little bit of a harder time defending against other teams, whereas Calgary has a hard time scoring by the looks of it. Like, well, other than Johnny Goudreau, how many bona fide top line players do they have? I would say none. Um, Maybe Sean Matthew Monahan. Kachuk. Yeah, Sean Monahan's pretty good, but like, he's a second. He'd be better as like a he, good. He's second probably line a, a middle six guy. Yeah, you're right. Like Matthew Kachuk is probably a top line guy. Probably, I would say he is. Yeah, um, uh, Mangiapane is pretty good. I've I know that name. I have no idea how well he's doing this year. Uh, I know exactly how good he is from uh, my NHL 21. Uh, <laughs> that is a solid franchise. record yeah exactly that's a that's a good place to base my uh valuation of players off of but but i like he the games against toronto oh shit yeah no calgary played toronto um he he looked pretty good and i i have they yes yeah we have calgary hasn't played ottawa i know that's that. right i i knew that somebody hadn't played calgary yet yeah uh, uh we're we play most of our games against calgary starting around like the trade deadline that yeah that's crazy mm-hmm. it's weird that it's going to take you guys so long to get to calgary when you've already played edmonton five times yeah we're halfway done our entire season series against edmonton already yeah. and we are less than 15 games in yeah you've played like more than a third of your games against one team yeah well like vancouver we've played three times Edmonton, we've played four and lost all four. And then it's you oh, it's and only Montreal been four. Twice. I thought it was five. I think it's only four. I'll double check. I can double. Oh check no, that. no, you're right because you had uh, three games against them last week. I was thinking you played two games against them this past weekend, but you had Montreal on we Saturday. We did play them. We did play them twice. We played them Monday, Tuesday. Oh shit! Yeah, you're right. So it is five. They've played Edmonton five times. We've played Edmonton five times. Holy crap! I'm losing track already. That's. I don't know how baseball fans do it. Maybe uh, they've just gotten used to it by now with all these uh, like uh, season series, but I am, I get lost in it pretty quickly. I, I won't lie about that. It, it is, yeah. But I, you know what? I think part of that is just the, the uh, strange times we're living in every day is already blending in together. And now when your hockey team is playing the same time, the same team four times in a week, uh, it, it just kind of reinforces that feeling. But uh, yeah, we've only played Edmonton four times. Okay, what am I thinking then? I Vancouver, guess they, they, they only Vancouver played Vancouver and Winnipeg last, three. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I thought, yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. regardless, you, you've played uh, more than half your games against two teams, which is pretty crazy. Uh, and we've lost every single one of them. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah but, oh, God. I'm, I'm going to stop looking regards, at the sense schedule. This is just depressing. With regards to the the uh the nhl schedule this year though like i'm i'm kind of really liking this um these the schedule that you ranted about no like like the the day-to-day number of games that are showing up on the like that i can sit down and watch i hate it i hate that one night there's 16 games that all start at the same or 14 games that all start at the same time and then the next night there's one game between the two worst teams in a division no that's garbage um what i what i like is just um uh, I'm liking seeing your my team match up against the same opponent a couple times in a week. Um, like I, a season series? Yeah, the season series stuff. I, I think the schedule is 
working and I hope that they can implement this in the future because there's just so much unnecessary travel between games, especially on road trips. It doesn't make any sense the way that the league used to do it. And the players have already said that they like this a lot more than what they've had in the past. Well, like you were saying before, there isn't a lot of hate right now, but I feel like if you were to do this schedule structure for a multiple years in a row, it's a good way to develop rivalries instead of in the playoffs in the season. And then if those same teams meet in the playoffs, there's already that established hate and animosity towards each other. And it'll make the playoff series that much more enjoyable and that much more intense. Exactly. And then you're not relying on teams playing each other year after year after year in the playoffs to build a rivalry because that, that takes forever. Yeah, um, like and, and it doesn't have the same impact as like, you know, if the Leafs and Bruins play three games in a row in October and then they've got back to back games in December and another couple games, you know, in February or March or April, and then they play each other in the playoffs. Like there's already this huge track record of them playing and facing each other regularly without any other people in between. And there's going to be stuff that happens that's going to build rivalries. There's going to be players that just hate each other. And that's going to come out in the playoffs too. And it'll be more entertaining. Um, And then it's also good because um, it it should give teams from different conferences a better opportunity to play each other as well. Um, The way that the schedule is set up right now, sorry, in a typical season is it's trying to minimize the amount of travel that teams have to do but that's just because they're jumping around from city to city every night if they're locked down in one place for like four or five six days then it's not as much of a hassle and it's not as much of a of a like a travel burden on the players and on the franchises they i i think you'd be able to increase the number of um interconference or yeah, games between conferences from like one home game and one away game to like three games against an opponent or four games against an opponent. Um, so like the the Leafs could play the Canucks two games in Toronto and two games in Vancouver instead of one in each city. Instead of Toronto doing a Western Canada road trip? And just playing like, yeah, uh, Winnipeg, Edmonton, Calgary, Vancouver each one time over a week and a half long period, just like, yeah, the Leafs go out on a Western Canada road trip and they hit all of those cities over a course of like two weeks or something. And then they come back or they, they go out to Vancouver for like four or five days. And then they come back to Toronto and play some games here, or they go like it, it would be easier to do road trips that aren't quite as hard on the players like going on a two week long road trip is still like crazy, Tough. but if you go for like five days at a time or something way out West, and then you kind of work your way back to uh, Toronto, I, it, it would be more reasonable. Yeah, I agree. I think that this schedule structure would be a lot more interesting and a lot more engaging for fans and for players. But with that, I think we should probably move on to our next topic. Uh, before we get into the Stens and Leafs, let's quickly hit and on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Some pretty big news coming out of there. Ron Hextall being hired as their GM and Brian Burke being taken off of Sportsnet, off a of hockey night in Canada, much to, much to everyone's uh, displeasure, and being brought in as the president of hockey operations for the Pittsburgh Penguins. I think it's kind of interesting. Uh, I thought Hextall did pretty well in Philly when he was the general manager over there. 
Uh, Brian Burke has a pretty good track record, uh, both as a GM and as a, a hockey ops, because I believe he was hockey ops in Calgary for a few years before joining Sportsnet. Um, That's right. Yeah, he he joined Calgary as the GM, I think, and then he got he got or he moved up into like a kind of a similar thing that he's got that he got hired for in uh, Pittsburgh where he was just like overseeing hockey operations. Um, And he also worked for the league at one point in the, in the nineties too. Yeah. And before all that, he was a, if he was an agent, wasn't he a player agent? Uh, He may have been an agent. I'm not sure. He was definitely a lawyer. That was maybe that was it. Uh, but it's kind of interesting with what he said. Uh, it kind of seems like he's in the mindset, uh, same mindset as the owners of we have Crosby and Malkin, therefore we should try and push out another cup. And it sounds like, um, oh crap, who was the Penguins GM? Rutherford. Rutherford. Rutherford Jim yeah. Rutherford. It seems like he was kind of gearing towards rebuilding and maybe selling off some of the major assets that brought Pittsburgh the cup and in recent memory. So it's interesting to see the change in dynamic and these executives that are going to be a bit more in line with the owner's way of thinking. So it'll be interesting to see what kind of moves that Hextall and Burke will be doing and how it's going to impact the Pittsburgh team. Um, yeah. Like with regards to what they're going to be doing it, but by, by the sounds of it, they're going to be, it, it's going to be like a soft push for a cup or, or like they, they want to see what they have this season. This so kind I, of seems like an evaluation. Yeah, like I don't think they're going to be like pushing all of their chips into the middle and saying we're all in on another cup. I think they're they may just ride it out and they might add some like I don't know fringe pieces just to kind of fill out the roster a little bit. But I don't anticipate them making any big moves during the season. And by the sounds of it, um, it it like I I don't expect them to move Malkin or Latang like it's been floated out. Um, and honestly, like as much as Crosby might seem like somebody that is going to like, he's, he's still incredibly talented. I'm sure he wants to win cups, but I don't think it's the right move for them to trade him in order to recoup assets. Cause I, I don't think you could ever get value for Sidney Crosby, even at this stage in his career. And it it's more valuable to them if he retires a penguin without playing for anybody else. Absolutely. Crosby will only leave the Pittsburgh Penguins if he wants to. Yeah, exactly. And even then, I don't know if they should trade him if he's like, I, I want to go. <sighs> it, yeah, yeah, I understand your reasoning behind that, but it's pretty it'll be pretty bad if it gets out that the guy it, who it, yeah, beloved he's, by the fan like, base is being held here against his will, you know? I guess, yeah. yeah. It's a tough call, but I understand your reasoning. Um, just so you know, Pittsburgh is currently out of a playoff spot right now. Yeah, I, I was uh, going to go look up their their standings. I, the, the Eastern Division is very, very close. The Islanders, Penguins, Devils, Sabres, and Rangers all have either 10, 11, or 12 points. Yeah, right now Pittsburgh's ahead of New Jersey and Buffalo, who are on a COVID pause. Washington and played and, less games, and Washington and Philly are both on COVID pauses, so ha- half of their division isn't playing right now. Yeah, uh, I believe it's the East and the 
Central that got hit pretty hard with COVID. Yeah. The West, the West division got hit hard early, especially Dallas. But right now it seems like it's going to the East and the Central. Well, Dallas is in the Central. Oh, I thought Dallas was in the West. Oh, no. you were right. I was wrong. Yeah. Oh God, I'm I'm I forgot who was in the West. That is terrifying top three. Oh yeah, the, the West is an incredibly top heavy division. Everybody below them is Apart from Minnesota, I think Minnesota's pretty good, but um, they're Arizona, Arizona and the California teams are trash. Well, Anaheim is only ahead of Minnesota by one point, and they have played three, three more, more games. games, and they're minus ten goal differential, so that's mm. not going to last. <laughs> hey, you know what? It could be worse. They could be minus twenty-seven, like Ottawa. Minus 27 already. Holy smokes. 14 games in. We're minus 27. Almost getting beat by two goals every game. Yeah. Jordan, we're bad. Yeah. The next well, the, the, the last three games kind of made you forget about that a little bit, though. Well, it's because Matt Murray started playing like Matt Murray again. And I think that's a good segue to pop into this talking about the Sens here. Uh, we'll, we'll do a quick little thing, a little summary for the sense. And then we'll, uh, I'll pass it back over to you for the Leafs. But yeah, Matt Murray's been playing really, really well, especially his two games against Montreal. And then his um, first game against Edmonton, he, between all three games, he had an average save percentage of 942, letting in two goals each game while making over 30 saves. And he also looked really good in those games too. Like it wasn't just that he was stopping them. It was that like, he, he looked like he was going to stop this shot and the next one too. He was stopping pucks with authority Yeah, was the best way I heard it described. Uh, his rebound control was a lot more um, controlled, which mm-hmm. is nice. Um, he just, he looked like he was in his groove. And when he came in relief for Hogberg in that second Edmonton game, same thing. Even though he came in cold, like he stopped all the shots and he looked very calm and poised doing it, which is a very encouraging sign considering I was definitely on the bandwagon of he's washed. He's terrible. This is, he's never going to get better. Not realizing that people can change. And it was only 10 games. So it was, it was really nice to see that happening. Hogberg uh, continuing. Oh, boy. To, yeah. That, that third goal last uh, like uh, on Tuesday night against the Oilers. Like, Oh my God, that was, that was bad. He lost his net again. He always but, loses in his net when he is, on his glove side, so his left side, whenever any play is coming down from his left, he always loses his net on the right side and leaves half of it open. It happened with the dry sidle goal. It happened with the um, second and third goal, I think, in the most recent Edmonton game. So it's just, I don't know what's going on with him. I don't know if he's got to go with uh, our goalie coach, Pierre Gru, and just work on his angles and his uh, positioning, but man, it's been rough. And I was thinking, oh, well, that means Joey Decord might get a start. But Joey Decord was sent down to Belleville and Gustafson was called up. And I would very highly doubt Gustafson gets a start before Decord. Decord is 24 and I would argue is more in need of an NHL start than Gustafson is. But by the sounds of it, though, they sent Decord, and I know we were going to get to it a bit. They sent Decord and Logan Brown down because the the Binghamton Senators are likely going to start their season this weekend. Yeah, it seemed like because they called Brown up over the weekend when it, it was announced that uh, the Canadian teams in the AHL would 
would have their schedule announced on a later date. So it kind of seems like Decord, Decord was already on the team, but it seemed like Logan Brown was called up as like an, okay, if you're getting delayed in the AHL, we'll get you for a few reps here. And then it was announced that uh, Belleville might be starting in Laval. So they put Logan Brown back down so that he'll get some top line reps in the AHL. Um, but a guy who I was really happy got some NHL time was Brandstrom. He looked really good in his, in the games that he played. Uh, the injury is minor. We were told only seven to 10 days. It was a pretty awkward hit. He received from Archibald in that uh, first of the back-to-backs from Edmonton. So I'm hoping he's all right. His, his puck moving and breakout ability instantly improved the senators. And you can tell as soon as the puck was on his stick, everybody knew it was getting out of their end, which was nice. And he just looks bigger and stronger. He's not a very tall guy. He's like 5'9 or 5'10, but he looked more solid on his feet, more willing to push back to uh, attackers and push back anyone who's trying to get around him. And he looked able to stand up for himself. And that was really nice to see. Uh, Artem Zub continues to be probably our best defensive defenseman, which... He- I hadn't seen a whole lot of him up until um, the Tuesday night game against the Oilers. And he was really good. He's very good. You know, like, all 31 teams contacted him to get him oh, out of Russia. I, I don't doubt that now. Like he's probably one of the best players to come out of Russia in the last few years as like a, an undrafted free agent. Um, he, he's, I think he's better than Zaitsev. He's better than Igor Ozhiganov. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's not a very high bar to hit though. No, but even Zaitsev has been, He's not a he's not a point per game like he was in the first five. But no, like Zeiss he's making the right decisions. He's looking a lot better, but we'll see how long that lasts for. Yes, um, he looked really good in his first season in the NHL with Toronto too, and a lot of his underlying numbers said otherwise. Uh, I don't really think that's the case for him this year. So his underlying numbers have come back down to earth. He's no longer the best defenseman in the league anymore. Oh wow! But that's a shame. But him and Zub make up a, a pretty decent, uh, uh, I mean, I would say on a contending team, they are second and third lot or second and third pairing right side D. But for Ottawa, they're, they're keeping things steady and they're keeping good Branson's ice time down, which is always a good thing yeah. because holy crap, his stick is where offense goes to die. Yes. And it's infuriating. And also defense. And defense, yes. Not like um, I, I've got to say, I can't remember who it was last night, but in the first period of that game against the Oilers, there was uh, there was a few plays that were just absolutely inexplicable to me, and I, I feel like Good Branson had to have been at least one of them. Like there was there was one I, I haven't seen anybody talking about them, but I just saw it and I'm like, what the hell was that? I there's just a few times where like a, a loose puck squirts out to somebody, and without stopping and looking around to see if there's anyone nearby, they just flick it out of the zone or pound it off the glass and out. And I'm like, you had so much time and space. That is 100% good Branson because I have caught him doing stuff like that. It it must've been because last night it was like an Oilers player loses the puck and he just, the, the Senators player, like I, I, again, I can't remember exactly who it was just turned and fired it down the ice for an icing. And I'm like, there's no one around you. You had you had all the time and space. I know I'm saying that from like 200 feet above the ice, watching on a camera from from home too. But like, if you had just stopped and looked around for you know a tenth of a second, you would have realized that there's nobody there. 
And that's kind of the thing that the senators need. They don't need guys to just ice the puck for no reason. Well, Goodbranson was getting called out a lot for his decision-making because it would take him a long time to make uh, like an, a breakout decision. And most of the time, if he tried to make any kind of pass, he just didn't have the ability to make it. It'd either get intercepted or he would, it would go off like a defender stick or skate or something. Um, when it comes to entering the zone, rather than trying to pass it to someone either on the far boards or in the middle, he'll just dump it. Nine, nine times out of 10, he just dumps the puck in. And nine times out of 10 of those dump-ins, the other team comes up with the puck and comes back the other way. And it's just, I know he's, he's got to be just the nicest man in the world to stay in this lineup, but whole oh man. And just... I wish I could get paid a few million dollars to be nice. Yeah. Same. Well, you got to be nice and six, five. Ah, jeez. Yeah. That's well, you know what? I'm sure I've got like some eight inch boxes I can stand on. Yeah, you want to get paid four point five million dollars for that? Because, yeah, sure. Um, I can, I can, I can be tall and be nice to people. Yeah, come on, Sanders, give Jordan some money. Give him yeah, some money. I can also ice the puck for no reason. And <laughs> can you, know. you uh, put Zach Cassian out of a few games though? Sure. Give me a baseball bat and blindfold. <laughs> <laughs> and turn the cameras off. Yeah, give me a baseball bat and, you know, direct me to a, an alleyway that he's not expecting anybody to be in and I can take him out for a few games, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. But it definitely seems like um Ottawa is finding their game and they're being the team that everyone expected them to, expected them to be, which is uh last place but competitive. And, and that, that, like the, that kind this of seems is, to be their identity for the last few games. And this is basically the ideal for the Senators. It's like show some development in the young players, put them into positions that they can learn and grow in, and also, you know, lose most of the games you play. And get another high pick. Yeah, get another high pick. Like, you don't want to keep doing that, but if you're at, – at least they're in games now. This is yes. – lo- losing games, you know, 3-1 and 3-2 – um, are a lot better than losing games 5-1 and 7-1, um, obviously. but Even 8-5 was bad. Yeah, just it, it's just showing growth and development. It's showing that the young players can hang in the league, and it's it's building them up for the future. That, that's, that's all you really want to do right now. Build them up for the future, acquire some more young assets that you can uh, plug into the lineup and help you acquire some more experienced guys in the future too. Yeah. That, and on that note, um, the apparently DJ Smith came very close to scratching Drake Batherson in the most recent Edmonton game. Yeah. I heard that is the most idiotic thing I think I've ever heard. Drake Batherson does nothing but work his ass off every time he's on the ice. He's not a great two-way forward, but he tries his best on the back check and when in his own end. And he's making good offensive plays. Like he, The puck's not going in for him, and he's not getting the points that a lot of people thought he would be getting. But like, he's been doing good. He's been generating offense. He's been not a liability in his own end. He's been skating hard. He's been throwing hits. And I've, I've not seen a game where I thought Drake Batherson was bad. I thought there were games where he could have been better, but I've never seen any game where I'm like, he needs a timeout, you know? So just that entire thing is just, 
I thought that was ludicrous. I thought that was absolutely almost uncalled for. Unless DJ seen something that I'm not, which is quite possible. It's his job. Um, I just, I don't understand it. I don't understand the reasoning behind that. I'm glad that they didn't scratch him, but the fact that they were seriously considering it, it's, they got to be seeing something. And I'd be curious to know what that something is. Yeah, it's, when I heard that, it was definitely odd. I know he hasn't had the best offensive start to the season, but, you know, he's not going to score any goals or get any points from the press box either. So, And he's if, also 22. Yeah, and like if, if he's playing hard and doing the things you want him to do, then he should be on the ice. And there, there's not really any reason to say that he's, you know, that he's missing out on any part of the game apart from putting the puck in the net. Um, and you, yeah, like I said, you're not going to get a guy going by, by scratching him. So just, like, just put him in some more positions to succeed again. Like you're, you're not trying to get into the playoffs here. Um, so just put him out there, toss him on the power play. Hope one, you know, goes in off his ass or something. And that gets him out of this, uh, this cold streak. And he's got six points. Oh, that's he's not got bad. S- yeah, no, that's not bad. Definitely. Uh, Dadanov has less, and I haven't heard anything about him getting scratched. Yeah. <laughs> Although he did have goals in back-to-back games, and he's and been he looking up. Awesome. Yeah, and he, he scored one of them. <laughs> uh, Larson one. helped him with the first one. Yeah, that but, was a pretty wicked shot from uh, Larson. But Dadanov's definitely been playing better and getting his confidence and seeing where he fits, which is really nice to see. Stutzel, Stutzel, he's always good. Um, Anisimov's on waivers which I'm fine with. And if he gets claimed, great. And if he goes on the taxi squad, I'm fine with. I don't think there's too much to discuss there, but I just wanted to mention it. Uh, Stepan, um, according to the media, wants to be close to his family. According to Pierre Dorian, he has not officially requested a trade, but Dorian can understand him wanting to be closer to his family. That's basically what Dorian said to the media. So I, I'm, Stepan's done a whole lot of average. So if he goes, I'm not going to be too upset. Uh, I know we're not going to get a second round pick back for him. I'd be happy with a fourth. Um, And I think even that's rich. We'll probably have to retain some of his salary. Um, But man, it's hard. These are hard times. If he wants to be closer to his family, I say accommodate that. Yeah, for sure. And the, the one kind of discussion point there is, you know, did Senator's management not look into that at all before they acquired him? Did oh, they... his his wife's eight months pregnant. Let's get him. Yeah. Le- hey, let's uh, let's get him to move to a different country where he won't have any contact with his wife or newborn child for the entirety of the season, unless they come up here. Like, yep. n- no, it's Great not plan. happening. It's not happening. It's like, like, and yeah, let, ha- yeah, let's pay a second round pick for this guy too. And you know what? If they did know and they talked to him and they're like, hey, like, would you be okay with this kind of move? Of course he said yes. He's going to be like, yeah, like I, I should be able to do that. I'll but figure not, it out. Yeah. I'm sure a lot of people have said similar things before. And again, this year is a crazy year. Um, it's not like it has been in the past where he could, you know, if he's got like two or three, four days off or something. He can just fly down to the States, see his family, and then come back. Uh, it's not like that. 
he's not going to be there or yeah, he's not going to be there for a long time to help support his wife or to help with the the new baby. So there's a whole bunch of stuff going on and it's, it's just like another one of those things where it's like, come on guys, did you not consider that this was an incredibly likely outcome of this? <laughs> yeah. That seems like a, a pretty ridiculous oversight on Ottawa's part, but again, like he, I, he wasn't worth a second round pick to begin with. Yeah. It was a bad trade to begin with. So what if at this point, I think all of uh, all sense fans are just like, he seems like a good guy. If he wants to be closer to his family, let him be closer to his family. There won't yeah. be any kind of backlash towards that, but that basically covers up uh, the last week for sends and sends news. Um, our, I believe our next game is tomorrow against Montreal. I believe you play Montreal tonight and we play them tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, oh no, Winnipeg, Winnipeg tomorrow. So that'll be interesting to see. We'll see if we get any redemption, but that's, that's all I have for the Ottawa summary. So Jordan, I'll pass it along to you so you can show the Leafs some love on this Ottawa and Leafs split podcast. And you know what? I, I'm not going to show the Leafs a whole lot of love. Um, we got six points out of Vancouver. We deserved four, but you know what? It's the Canucks. So don't complain. <laughs> don't come. Do not complain. out hey, of Oh, you know, we only deserved, you know, no, four of those points. You know like, I, okay. I, I will say in that last game against the Canucks, the Leafs didn't deserve to win. Um, I think a good reason for that was the, uh, the roster setup. Uh, the Leafs went into that game with 11 forwards and seven defensemen, and you could tell that it just threw everybody off. Um, you are no, the reason why the Leafs can't have nice things. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I will say it was nice to see the Leafs, <gasps> no, excuse me, actually come out with a win in that game because in the past, they let games like that one get out of hand and just get away from them in a hurry. And a, a big reason for that was. Uh, was Freddie Anderson. He stood on his head when the Leafs needed him to. And then uh, they managed to pot two goals in 11 seconds to take the, the lead. And they shut the Canucks down in the dying minutes of the game really well. Vancouver was in the Leafs zone a lot, but they, ne- they didn't get any dangerous looks at the net at all. They were just passing it around the perimeter. Um, the Leafs would intercept it or break a pass up and Vancouver would have to uh, regroup and come back in. And at no point did I think the Canucks were going to score. Um, whereas in the past, the Leafs may have gotten a lead in a game like that just off of a fluke rush or something, but then they'd go right back and blow it. And then it would start to snowball from there and it would be goal, 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 goal. And they'd be, you know, down 5-2 or something in the last few minutes of the game. Um, but that, uh, it, it was... It was encouraging to see that the Leafs managed to get a win out of a game that they didn't deserve to. It was against a pretty weak opponent in the Canucks, but, um, you know, encouraging nonetheless, because it it wouldn't have been the first time that the Leafs, you know, blew a game against a a weak opponent and got, you know, run out of the building. Freddie really is either like a Vesna caliber goalie or a barely replacement level. Yeah. I was just looking at his stats. He has eight wins, and in four of those wins, his save percentage was 938 or higher. Yeah. In the other four, it was 897 or lower. Yeah. yeah that it, is 
that would be very frustrating if I was a Leafs fan. Yeah, it, it's tough when you can't get like a if you can't just get in, you know, nine fifteen say uh, goaltending, then um, like consistently, just consistent. It it it's rough because you you're right. Like some games, Freddie's going to let in four goals in the first like period and a half, and the Leafs are going to be out of it with no chance. And other games, they're going to be you know, offensively out of it with no chance. And he's going to save like 44 out of 45. Like I'm trying to think of a goalie that isn't putting up Vezina numbers, but is just consistent. Like, like Bennington was one, uh, like the year after St. Louis won a cup, uh, he was very much like a nine, 10 goalie. Like he wasn't, he wasn't going out and making forty saves every night. Like he was just doing enough. He was, yes, <laughs> he was just, he was there and he was stopping pucks when you needed him to every game. He wasn't making the highlight reel save or anything like that, but he was making saves when you needed them. And it seems like Freddie is either stopping everything or stopping nothing. Yeah, and that I know for me as a player, I think that would make me very, like. I don't want to say fragile, but it would definitely be on my mind of like, okay, what, what Freddie are we getting tonight? Yeah. And then you find out within the first like three minutes of a game, like, okay, yeah. we're, we're getting superstar Freddie tonight. Awesome. We can go and take some chances or, okay, we're getting Swiss cheese Freddie tonight. Um, what the hell do we do? <laughs> <laughs> What's this defense thing people speak of? Well, it, it's not even that. It's like sometimes like think back to the bubble last year where the Leafs are doing a good job in uh, game five of locking it down against uh, Columbus. And then all of a sudden um, Columbus scores a goal from like the goal line in the corner because Freddie's not close enough to his post. Yeah. He was cheating the pass. Yeah. It's like, Holy shit, man. Like that just takes all of the air out of their sails. Um, but you, you, you know what? Like I I'm, I'm, ragging on Anderson way too much for having just said that he played an awesome game. Oh yeah. His last two games against Vancouver, his safe percentage was above nine, nine, six for both wins. Yeah. Again, it was Vancouver. Vancouver. (laughs) Um, But uh, yeah, I I think the real hero of the weekend though was uh, Leafs legend, Jason Spezza. Fuck off. Holy shit. Where did that guy get a time machine from? That was that was absolutely vintage Spezza. Those all three of those goals, like I, I'm expecting to see them on a Jubilee Fine Jewelers commercial any day now. <laughs> oh, that oh, that's going back. Uh, yeah, the the first goal, like I, I tweeted out when he scored it, but like that slap shot from the boards, nobody does that anymore. You know, I, it, it, it works. Wasn't, wasn't a one timer. It was just Spezza's, like he he's got the puck under control and he's looking around and he's like, um, you know what? I don't feel like passing it this time. I'm just going to wire it home and boom, <laughs> goal done Threw everybody through the goalie in perfect. He has no, such a good shot. I've always loved his slap shot. I've always loved it. I've always thought he should use it more. And he scored a handful of goals with the Leafs with it. And it's awesome every single time. Yeah. Again, um, I sense fans yelled at him for a decade to shoot more. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, his second goal, that three on two, it was a really well played one. Um, yeah, he he just had to finish it off. That pass from Patan was great. Um, yeah, they seemed to play really well together. The the third goal is where it was really awesome. 
where he, oh. he just yeah they he's like oh you know what one-on-one rush i feel like having a hat trick let's go do it i feel walked, like i'm 23 again yeah i think he walked alex edler and just went right around um was it holtby or demko i can't remember who it was now but yeah doesn't it doesn't matter yeah it was fantastic and that was an awesome way to to um finish off a hat trick too it was really nice as a sense fan to see spets it's nice to know he still has his hands yeah you know what the only thing that was missing from that like to make that a 100 percent vintage spets a night was uh, for him to rush down the boards stop at the hash marks button hook and throw a blind backhand pass into the middle that would have been <laughs> the only thing that would have been like a full 100% vintage Spezza game. But uh, I can do without that if it means he scores three goals. Yeah, I could have done with without a lot of those growing <laughs> up. As soon as Heatley left, there was just, there was no one receiving those passes anymore. Well, there were, they were just on the other team. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, so yeah, like that's, that's kind of my, my, my thoughts on the last week of Leafs games. It's, it's not as much as, as what you had about the Sens, but it's just like, yeah, they keep winning games. It's awesome. Um, I was going to say, there's a lot less to say when everything's going right. Exactly. Uh, tonight is going to be the real test against Montreal. Uh, and I think we play them again a couple more times this week. Um, yeah, definitely tonight. I imagine on Saturday. You play Montreal tonight and Saturday, and then you have three straight games against us starting on Monday. That's right. I, I need to remember that because I'm trying to think of some uh, some good things to get us those sweet, sweet social media engagements during that game. So, uh, yeah, that'd be really cool. It would be. Yeah, I'm trying trying to find like figure out some guessing games we can play with uh, people on Twitter. So, oh, Jordan. Also, I think the NHL heard you on your rant because. Um, the two games tonight, uh, Boston and New York started at seven, and your game starts at seven thirty. No way! I was about to like get that the Leafs game going on in the uh, background, and it hasn't even started yet. Holy smokes! That's awesome. Oh. Uh, I am so, looking at the schedule for tomorrow, and I see three three games starting at seven, three games starting at eight, and eight thirty. One at eight thirty, and. Three games starting at ten, so and four postponed games. Yeah, that's that's the crazy thing. Um, Why is Thursday such a bumping night for hockey? I don't get it. Because they they only want one game on Wednesday nights for the NBC broadcast. Uh, I hate that. And then two games Friday night, and then Saturday. Well, because Saturday's is Saturday. the big day. Yeah, which is fair. Oh, another afternoon game for Ottawa. Oh, yeah. Well, that sucks. Well, here comes another loss. Well. No, we won our last afternoon game against Montreal. Shit, yeah, you're right. Um, so yeah, so that's uh, that's this week in Leafs Nation. Is uh, Jason Spezza is a god amongst men. <laughs> um, Freddie Anderson, it, he's fantastic. When we get superhero Freddie, um, I hope we never see Swiss cheese Freddie again. But that's you know, asking a lot. That's asking a whole lot. And uh, Sheldon Keefe, please don't subject us to the 11, uh, 11 forwards and 7D again, because that was brutal. It might you had be- to try it. Yeah, and I, I get that. It's totally fine. Um, if you're going to try stuff, definitely do it against Vancouver because they're garbage. <laughs> <laughs> that's, yeah, that's valid. I, I will say if uh, Thornton and Simmons were in the lineup, it may have been a bit different. What do you mean? I, um, 
I, I think that the forward group may have worked out a bit better if we weren't like subbing in um, like uh, Barabanov for some shifts. Oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Like uh, I, I think it was just the problem was that at the bottom of the lineup, some of the talent wasn't able to sub in and match skill level with uh, like Matthews and Marner and Nylander and Tavares when they had to play with them. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, did you notice Rasmus Sandin too much? I saw he got an assist. He got he got five minutes. Um, he he looked okay. Five um, minutes? Yeah, he, he got five minutes in that game. But that was his, that's his first game in almost a year, right? And he's did coming. he not play in the um, in the bubble, the playoff bubble? Uh, maybe, but even still, uh, he, he got a few minutes in the uh, in the bubble, like six months ago now fair um so it's like i i get them kind of holding back on him and gradually getting him into the lineup um it will be interesting to see what they do with him because i think if they start giving him more more game time over the next little bit then that might signal that a guy like travis dermott is on his way out yeah I've been hearing rumors that Pittsburgh's been uh, before the Jim Rutherford, Rutherford slash Ron Hextall replacement happened. I heard that Pittsburgh was uh, interested in Dermot. I don't really see where Dermot fits into the Leafs long term anymore, especially I, with I, Riley I, Muzzin and Sandine. Well, I really like him. Like he he's pretty versatile. Uh, he's relatively solid in his own end. Uh, I don't know. He's he's just one of those like young shiny players that you 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 look at and you're like you've got so many tools, but he's raw. He he's got to put them all together soon, and it, it's tough because I would like him to stay with the Leafs because I I do like him as a player, but on the back end, he's kind of the guy that you move to get some more forward depth. Would you be okay with this being your top six going into next year, Riley Brody? Muzzin Hall, Sandine Lettman. I think the better question is, am I comfortable with that top six going into the playoffs? Sure. Um, that, that's fair. And what was it? We had Riley Brody, Muzzin Hall, Sandine, Sandine Lettman with Bogosian as your seventh. That's not bad. It's not, it's not bad, but I don't know how ideal it is at, that being said, you sub Dermot in for Sandine, Bogosian, or Lettinen, and I don't know if it improves it a whole lot. Um, it, it's just tough because um, I need to see more out of Lettinen. He's getting better. He's getting points. I, he's he's getting points. He's getting better. The problem is, is I do not like him with Bogosian. Those Doesn't two guys. Work. No, holy shit! That that was part of the issue. Um, that last game against Vancouver there were a few shifts where both of those guys were just throwing it. Like they were clearly trying to pass it to the other guy, but they had no idea where each other were on the ice. They have no chemistry. Um, it was rough to watch. And the Leafs got hemmed in their own zone a few times because of it. And it's, it's just like, Oh man, like I don't, want, the, I, I don't, I don't want those two guys taking regular shifts together. If that's what they're going to be playing like. Uh, but that said, like, Bogosian's one of our three right-handed D, so he's 
in theory, probably playing most nights. So do I really want him out there with Sandine? Uh, I'll have to see how that is because Sandine hasn't played with him at all. I, I do like Sandine as a defenseman. I like Lettinen in theory. He's done some really, really slick and smooth breakouts and his skating is really good and he works really, really well um, at the point on the power play, but he, he, he doesn't have enough NHL time yet. Not yet. And he could very well like skyrocket and become one of the Leafs best defensemen by the end of the season. But uh, as it is right now, like I, I don't feel great going into the playoffs with the defensive core that we have. Uh, at least in the bottom pair. Which you know, what. I, I, I guess there are worse problems to have than I don't feel super 100% great about my fifth and sixth defenseman. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely not a the biggest issue where it, no. it used to be. I don't feel good about my first pairing right shot defenseman. Yeah, back when we were like, oh, we've really got to find somebody to play with uh, uh, Dion Phaneuf on the top pair. I know. Carbidian Holzer. <laughs> no, uh, shit, who was it? Uh, let's get yeah, Mike Koska back. Yeah, Koska, let's, that let's, was let's it. Get Mike Koska. Him and, him and Dion had a great time. What about Paul Ranger? Let's pull him out of his uh, semi-retirement and throw him in to play 35 minutes a night. And kick a puck in the shootout. (laughs) That was kind of fun. Um, Tell you what, Jordan, if you are so concerned about your defense, give us Dermot and Robertson and we'll give you Zub. Yeah. (laughs) Fuck off. (laughs) Hey, Lennon and Zub, that could be a decent pairing. Yeah, I'm not giving you two things for him. (laughs) <laughs> well, I mean, we're doing you a favor by clearing up your defense a bit. And, you know, we could always use a, a young player who could score more. No. <laughs> <laughs> nah, worth a shot. Yeah. All right. Uh, is there anything else you would like to say about Toronto before we move on? Uh, no, I think I'm all done on the on the Leafs. Like, uh, again, the tonight and Saturday are going to be the real tests. The, the rest of the season, like whenever we play Edmonton, uh, whenever we play anyone that is not Montreal, it's just like get like you know five out of six points, four out of six points, um, three out of four. Just just make sure you're collecting points in those games. Um, the real test is Montreal. Every time we play them, those are the games that it's like okay, we have to bring our A game and make sure that uh, we're we're taking this super seriously. <laughs> And whenever you play Edmonton, it's all right. Let's control McDavid and Drysaddle to one point each. Yeah, it's with with Edmonton. It's let's try to keep uh, McDavid and Drysaddle to zero even strength points. Yes. It, they're going to score on us on the penal on the power play. That's going to happen. Uh, let's just uh, minimize the damage they do at five on five. Which I will say, uh, Ottawa ended their point streak in the most recent game. I couldn't uh, believe how long it, it went. It was like 2017 that Edmonton won a game, the, the last time Edmonton won a game and neither of them scored or got a point. Yep, 2017. That's like almost four years. That's insane. That that team is depending so heavily on those two guys for that long. It, it goes, like that should be a huge indictment on the Oilers. <laughs> well, again, uh, it was like that tweet I posted out this morning. Leon Dreisaitl is on pace for an 82-game season to get like 147 points. 
which is top 20 in uh, all-time uh, points in a single season. And Connor McDavid was on is on pace for 158 points in an 82-game season. Good for better than anyone who isn't named Gretzky or Lemieux. Like, those guys this year are just feasting on the Canadian teams. And it's just absolutely terrifying. And you know what their goal differential is? Is is it a negative? It's not a negative, but it is zero. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Friggin' uh, who was the game before Ottawa on Monday? I believe Edmonton, I forget who they played on Saturday, but McDavid and Dry Settle each had over 27 minutes a game. Yes. Of game time, of ice time. So it's like, oh, okay. So you are literally playing almost the entire game with one of those guys on the ice. And you have to. You, you have to do that. If they're the only two guys that can do anything for you, you've got to do it. Except they're not anymore. You got Puyarvi, you got Nuge, you got Yamamoto. But, but those, like, Nuge is, is getting some points. But the problem is, is that a lot those guys need... Play with they, McDavid yeah, and they, they play with McDavid and Dreisaitl. So if McDavid and Dreisaitl aren't on the ice, neither are those other guys. Yeah, that, that's a fair point, actually. And then you can't rely on Ennis and Turris on that third line. But but yeah, like in the in the North Division, only Vancouver and Ottawa have a worse goal differential than Edmonton. Uh, to be fair, Ottawa's is significantly worse. <laughs> it is, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, uh, sure the difference Vancouver. between Edmonton and Vancouver is almost the same as the difference between Edmonton and Toronto. Just in opposite directions. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Toronto actually has some semblance of depth past their second line. I don't see Edmonton's third line center getting a hat trick anytime soon, but uh, I think, uh, excuse you, fourth line center. <laughs> screw <off. laughs> And with that, I think we're done talking about the Leafs uh, yeah. before we go. And um, we'll see if we get to the double agent game. It's seven 30. Now the Leafs game's just starting. Uh, we'll see how long this next little tidbit we wanted to touch on goes and we'll make our decision off of that. Yeah. Uh, you, you know what? I'll do this thing quick because I have tweeted out the double agent game. Okay, so we will do it. So yeah, <laughs> Jordan Jordan really wanted to touch on this. Um, you know, it, it was pretty controversial in the hockey landscape over the weekend. And that was the uh, Columbus and Carolina game and the offside catastrophe. So Jordan, uh, I will let you set the scene and I'll let you describe what happened and I'll let you discuss your thoughts on the matter. Okay, yeah. So I, if you're listening to a hockey podcast, there's a pretty good chance that you already know what happened. But just in case you don't, um, Sunday afternoon, Columbus and Carolina, they, were, they had a game. And Carolina scores a goal. Columbus challenges for offside. And the offside review comes back saying the, uh, the play was onside. So the goal stands, and Columbus is going to get a penalty. And it was a very quick review. It was a very quick review, yeah. Supposedly what happened behind the scenes was there was an NHL off-ice staff member that was being trained during an NHL game. The, I guess they were like the video coordinator for, for um, uh, replay reviews or whatever. And when the officials the on-ice officials call 
um, the situation room or whatever, this person is in charge of kind of queuing up the videos for the lines or for the refs and the linesmen to, uh, to look at, to review the play. For some reason, this guy's got a, a mic in front of him and it's hot. So it's, it's live and he's, or this person, he or she is watching the video and sees the first angle and just kind of, you know, does what a lot of people do when we're watching something that, you know, we're interested in. They, they make a comment and he, he or she said, oh, yeah, that's a good goal. Um, and the on-ice officials hear that in their headset and they think that that is the NHL offices telling them that's a goal. And so they put the headset down, they go out and they make their call that uh, the goal on the ice stands and Columbus has to uh, have a penalty for that. And it just unleashed this abs- absolute shitstorm because then everybody in the NHL office is like, what the hell are they doing? Uh, like, we're not done reviewing this. Somebody get a hold of them. And they're frantically trying to get a hold of the person in the, uh, or the, the office officials in the building so that uh, they can stop everything from moving forward before the puck is dropped. But the problem is that this year, because the uh, the linesmen and the refs, they have to wear a headset to talk to the offices, the guys in the timekeeping box have to disinfect it before they can do anything else with it and put it back on. So the NHL offices are yelling and screaming into this mic to try to get the timekeepers to pay attention, but they can't hear them because they're not wearing the headset. And then the puck is dropped and the game starts. Um, during the intermission, some uh, some NHL officials go into the dressing rooms of both teams and say, well, we made a mistake. That goal was offside. It should not have counted. So what we're going to do is uh, we're going to remove the rest of the penalty that you guys are supposed to serve. That only had 45 seconds left. It only had 45 seconds left. So the penalty was half over. Um, and since then, there's been a whole bunch of people. I keep hearing people say, like, if they're going to take off the, the penalty, then they have to take off the goal. And I, I've just got to say, like, if, if you think that they should have taken the goal off of the board after the play started, you're absolutely nuts. It is insane that anybody is thinking or arguing that the goal should have been removed after the play started. It's, it's beyond comprehension. Um, I like the penalty shouldn't have been wiped out. There's, there's no way. Um, It's, you need to have a point of no return for reversing a call, a penalty call or a goal call. And that point of no return has to be when the puck is dropped and play resumes. Otherwise, when, where is the line? Like I typically hate slippery slope arguments, but this is one where I think it stands. When, where else would the line be? Is it going to be a minute after the goal is scored? Five minutes after? A period later when the game's over? There's, there's no way that you can take goals off of the board after play is resumed. You just can't. That, it's, that's playground shit. Okay? Kids on the playground do that. That, that, goal can't, that goal doesn't count because of this reason. Like, no. If, yeah, I, I, I wrote all this out and I can't even keep my thoughts straight now. <laughs> but um, like there, there are, there are mechanisms in place for overturning a goal, obviously, because that, that's what that 
offside review was supposed to do. But you need to do it before the puck is dropped again. You can't just arbitrarily wipe out goals and penalties because you got it wrong. What the NHL should have done is, yeah, like you go down, tell the teams, hey guys, we screwed up. Um, That goal that Carolina scored, that was offside. We messed that up. Um, Columbus, sorry, you've got to kill off the rest of this penalty. So do you think the NHL... And and then the the NHL should have come out after the game. Sorry, Keegan. They should have come out after the game. And they like they should have just eaten a swimming pool's worth of shit. <laughs> like they, they absolutely should have. Just every single person that is like, how could you let this happen? Yes, we're very sorry. We are going to put things in place to make sure that this never happens again. Like this isn't this isn't like the Matt Duchesne goal where they need to implement a whole new rule, an on ice rule that affects the flow of the game and the broadcast of the game. This is something as simple as implementing like communication protocols so that uh, the on-ice officials know exactly who the hell they're talking to on the phone. The fact that, like, I have that in summer camp, uh, talking to camp staff. The NHL doesn't have that for, like, confirming goals in their multi-billion dollar league? Like, come on. Get your shit together, guys. Do you think the league either made things worse or got it more wrong by negating the penalty after. Oh yes. They, they absolutely made it worse. Okay. Because the argument now is because Colin Campbell came out and said, well, there's, there's no precedent for um, overturning a goal after the play is resumed. Okay. There's also no precedent for wiping out a penalty. Uh, Mid- he admitted that too. Yeah, and he's like, oh yeah, there's no precedent for that either. So it's like, well, why the fuck did you do it then? There's, it, it's so stupid. And the thing is too is, um, if Carolina scored on that power play before the end of the period, are we call like are people calling for both of those goals to be wiped out now? Like you, you can't. It. It needs to be when the puck is dropped again, play resumes, and every mistake that was just made, it's like, well, you know what? We all have to live with it now. It is part of the history of this game. It's part of this game's story that this shit thing happened and people made a mistake. And you know what? We'll hope that it doesn't uh, happen again next time, and we'll try to find out ways to make sure it doesn't. But uh, we can't do anything about it now. The best thing you can do is uh, move forward and try to get two points out of this. And complain about it on your podcast. Yeah. Like there's, there's people that are going to say that like, uh, Oh, what if Columbus misses the playoffs by two points because of this, you know what? Columbus has 45 more tries to get two points. So if they miss the playoffs, it's their own fault. It's not because of this game. It's not because of this call. I've always hated that argument. Yeah, like it, it, if it's in the last game of the season, it's like, well, you know what? You played uh, this season. The, be, you played 55 other games you could have gotten those points from. So maybe don't leave it to the last minute to try to sneak into the playoffs. I do understand where some people are coming from with the principle of the argument of if you go against one thing that had no precedence, precedence that being overturning a penalty, why not? go through with a decision for a second precedence, which is taking away the goal. 
I understand the principle of that argument. In practicality, I don't believe that is the correct course of action. I feel like that Absolutely. would just... The, the logic follows. It's just built on a, a shit foundation is what it is. Yes. And again, theoretically, okay, I can, I can understand and sympathize with that argument. I can. But again, in real world, that's not how it works. Sometimes you just got to eat a mistake. And in this case, they tried to share a mistake. Yeah, they, they tried to do a half measure, which yes. half measures don't work. <laughs> um, and the thing, too, is now that they've set this precedent of when, when a mistake is made, we can just, uh, and when a mistake is made on a penalty, we can just wipe it out like this, then they have to do that in the future, too. Otherwise, it's just picking favorites. It's just saying this, this mistake um yeah like it's like what jeff merrick said on the 31 thoughts podcast when you mess up you fess up and you dress up that's right yeah um i'm just going over my notes here to see like what what all i wanted to say about this i'm kind of i'd kind of be intrigued to see what rod brindamore would have to say about this being on the i guess also um who won this game Carolina did because I won money off of it. It was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'd be interested to hear uh, Rod Brindamore's take on all this. I don't know. I, if, I uh, think his take was basically like, yeah, yeah, like it's really weird. It it sucks for everybody that's not us. <laughs> <laughs> Which is like realistically, what other reaction can you expect him to have? Right? Like they benefited from it, and it's and. Uh, and- human it's error is part now. of the game yeah if he if he came out and admitted that like oh yeah like it was we knew it whatever there's uh yeah there's there's no reason for him to get upset about it really no and i don't think there would be any too much i won't, i don't think there's any um uh, hurt feelings on the carolina side of all this um would you like any final thoughts on this or have you said your piece on it? I think I've said my piece. Okay. So with that, I'll leave the option up to you. You said you already posted the double agent stuff on our Twitter. Yeah. So I'm assuming that means we're going to try and just speed around through this again. Yeah. We'll do a lightning round here. Okay, so um, perfect. I, I won't review the rules. If, uh, if you don't know what this game is, you got to go back and listen to some previous one to some previous episodes. Um, oh but- my god dad's post sorry quick interruption we have a group chat of jordan and i our brother and our dad and he just keeps posting stuff while watching the leaf game and it's um i'm gonna try and avoid that to avoid spoilers he just said "Ooh, Heinemann." so i i think Heinemann messed up what on earth is going on here Sorry, the uh, the website that I stream games from is uh, asking me to register and pay for stuff now. So I'm like, uh, no, thank you. <laughs> that is not why I use your service. Yeah, exactly. Like, I, I don't want to get blacked out of games. So that's why I come to you guys. What the hell? Um, well, here. But here, here we go. So this player, Keegan, you ready? Yes. Uh, first... No, but let's do it. Your first three clues. This player's current age. 46 years old. Okay. Played 229 NHL games. Okay, not too many. Most recently for the Edmonton Oilers. 
Okay. And with that, I will say I'm going to get guess it off of the seventh clue. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So his nationality. Way to go. Oh. Man, that helps the most. <laughs> oh, crap. <laughs> I didn't remember which one was seven. I just said it because I haven't said it before. All right. Yep. Nationality will be the winner for me. Let's okay. do this. Here we go. His amateur team. Farja Stads. BK Karlstad of the SHL. Oh, so European. Okay, great. Cool. Uh, next, next clue. Height and weight, six feet, two hundred and five pounds. God, I I love and hate this game so goddamn much. Uh, okay, six feet, two hundred and five pounds from Hesse Sweden. Okay. Farja uh, said BK Karlstad. Yes. Uh, he from... was drafted in okay. the eighth round. Oh God. Two hundred and thirty second overall. Sorry, I'm about to yawn. Okay. So he's 46, you said? Yeah. So he was drafted uh, 28 years, years, years ago. Eight, what? No. 28 years ago. Holy shit, really? Yeah. Fuck me. The 90s? That's uh, 20 years ago, Jordan. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> oh, so God. he was drafted in what, 93-ish? No, that would be insane. What? what, well, what you... ju- just in terms of some other things. But, uh, oh, oh, all right, here we go. <laughs> so yeah, drafted in the eighth round. Eighth round, two hundred and thirty-second overall by the Anaheim. By Anaheim, I guess at the time <laughs> it would have been Anaheim. Anaheim Mighty, Mighty Ducks. Ducks, the Anaheim Mighty Ducks. Yeah, instead of Anaheim Ducks. Okay, so Anaheim eighth round in whatever year around nineteen ninety-three. Okay, next clue. The years he played in the NHL were two thousand three to two thousand eleven. Okay, so he's probably a goalie. 2003 to 2011, that's eight years, and he played less than 300 games. Definitely a goalie. Um, it's not McElhaney because he is not 46, though he definitely seems like it sometimes. It's not Rhodes because Road, Damien Rhodes, I don't think played for Toronto. Okay, give me another one. I'm pretty confident in this goalie thing. Okay, here we go. The one that's uh, going to help you the second most, okay? Yep. Combined Ottawa and Toronto points. Three. One. Yeah, three. Three in 200 games. Probably assists. I'm I'm dead convinced this was a goalie. What was his games played? 200 and some? 229. In eight years? This has got to be a goalie. Okay. Okay, I need to put my big brain on. Um Okay, old Ottawa goalies, uh, Prusak, uh, Leem. Did Prusak play for Toronto? Where did Prusak play for Toronto? I can't, I honestly can't remember. All right, uh, next clue. This is your final clue before you before you lose. Yeah, this is a nationality. Uh, Swiss. Swiss? I want to say Prusak. I, I'm going to say Prusak. You want to say Martin Prusak? That's no, your guess? Not, not anymore after that response. <laughs> well, no, I'll take it as a guess, and it's wrong. Martin Prusak yeah. never played for Toronto. I think he yeah, only okay. played for Ottawa and Columbus. Oh, okay. Well, I was he thinking... Is, I think he's uh, Czech as well. Okay, well, I was had the sure. uh, He had the fake um, Dominic Hasek mask. Right! I do remember that. 
Okay. Although he, he, did, uh, he did have kind of a sweet design on it. I saw a picture of his mask the other day and it had like the Roman Colosseum around it, which is neat. That, that helmet was very round. <laughs> yeah, it was almost yeah, like a player I, helmet. This is not Martin Krusek. Yeah, okay. I again, Good I didn't think though. he Good I didn't think he goalies. I didn't think he played for Toronto, but I was thinking older Sens goalie um but oh wait, I'm dumb. Prusak played in the 90s. This guy played in 2003-2011. Yeah. So who who was an Edmonton goalie in 2011? That's what I should have been looking at. Um Rollison? Was he still in Edmonton around that time? Doesn't matter because he never played for Ottawa or Toronto. Um, and I'm going to be, I'm, I could just be completely wrong and it could just not be a goalie. All right. Well, obviously I am defeated, but uh, give me the last few clues and let's see if I can guess it. You're going to feel fucking stupid when I tell you who it is, but <laughs> if you well, don't, probably. Um, this guy's best season was 2005, 2006. 2005, 2006. Okay. Well, the goalies for Ottawa then were Ray Emery and Hasek. So I don't think it was either of them. Uh, the Toronto goalies then were Belfour? Yes. And Toscala? No. Uh, Kid? You was know that what? Trevor I, Kid? I cannot remember who Ed Belfour's backup was. <laughs> was that Raycroft? No, Raycroft came in the following year, 06, 07. Okay. First, like 05, 06 is the first year after the full lockout year. And yeah. uh, the Leafs still had Belfour that year. I just, I can't remember who the backup would have been. <laughs> I think it was, uh, for some reason, I'm, I think it was Trevor Kidd. Uh, but anyway, um, so what was it after nationality? It was... Um, uh, nationality, Swiss, best season, yep. 2005, 2006. Okay, next clue. Jersey number. He wore number 29 for the Leafs and Senators. 29. That does not help at all. Oh my God, that absolutely should help. 29? That is the most helpful clue out of all of these. Actually? Yes. Okay. Spe- so... Especially with your line of thinking so far. <laughs> I can't... I'm not good with numbers. I'm not... Okay, so who was a Sens goalie that wore 29? I... <laughs> You're so bad at this game. Oh, my God. I, there, 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 there are people, like, both of the people that listen to this show are screaming at whatever they're listening to on. If, if other Matt ever listens to this, he's going to ream me out. I, I bet you if you gave Mom these clues... She would absolutely have guessed before you. Well, or I know it, well, once you got to number twenty nine, she would absolutely know. Well, I know it's not Gerber because we've already had Gerber. Have we already had Gerber? Yes. <laughs> this is Gerber, isn't it? It's fucking Gerber. Yeah. This yeah, is because <laughs> yeah, because we had him when the Centennial came on. Because Matt guessed it. Shit! Did we? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I haven't said him. Yeah, this is Martin Gerber. Shit. Oh, okay. Okay. Sorry. Well, yeah, that was so long ago now, and for some reason I didn't delete him out of here. Yeah, Martin Gerber. Oh, geez. All right. Well. Well. Thanks for, thanks for listening to our uh, <laughs> podcast, everybody. All right. Let's see um, if Matt. Ma- ma- make sure you uh, subscribe on <laughs> Spotify and Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts from. 
and uh, make sure you're following the podcast on Twitter at Little Hockey Pod and <laughs> the same handle on Instagram. You, you sound follow, so defeated. You can follow me on Twitter at uh, jsmall1771. And you can follow Keegan on Twitter at lil underscore little 28. Um, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcasting app. Um, please rate and review the show one star uh, because we're <laughs> so bad at this. And um, yeah, what do you have to say, Keegan? <laughs> uh, that Martin Prusak never played for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, he definitely did not play for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Uh, <laughs> Good job, Jordan. Round of applause. Yeah, you know what? I think the, the backup goalie in 0506 was uh, Michael Telkvist. That's going to be my guess here. Where are the goalies? Ah, Michael Tessist, J.S. Oban. Those are the two. Oh, Oban. Yeah, Yeah. I forgot about him. All right. So, uh, yeah, thanks for listening, everybody. I've got to uh, go figure out how the hell I'm going to watch this Leafs game now that my uh, sub-legitimate streaming site is asking for money. Um, Yeah. And he's got to go take Martin Gerber out of the double agent game. Yeah, because apparently October Jordan's an idiot and an asshole. I mean, (laughs) February Jordan sound and look like a dumbass but well, you know what I'm, I'm still tweeting this shit out so uh whatever <laughs> all right i think that's, that's so funny because I, I even double checked it too i was like okay good both of my both of my spreadsheets don't have it no nope, uh, i remember i remember because um other matt got it off of the like uh second or third uh clue after the initial three yeah that's and right. we were all very impressed by it i do I remember re- that now Yep. (laughs) Good job, Jordan. All right. Time to call it. Bye, everybody. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Catch you later, everybody.